0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.
0: Welcome in, friends, to this live and special edition of the Maddow Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 to Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Unfortunately, today we are a sad postgame show as <laughs> yes, the Chicago Blackhawks lost to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-1 to in Game 1 of the Western Conference Quarterfinals. We warned you guys that this series was going to be very tough for the Blackhawks to win. We told you all of the different things that they needed to do to win this series. And let's just go down the list. They needed great play from Corey Crawford. Didn't get it. They needed nope. to score on the power play. Did not get it. They needed Alex DeBrincat to step up his game. He did not. You just go on and on down that list. And every single thing that we said they needed to do in order to win, they did not do. And yes, they kept it close. They looked pretty solid in the second period of the game, but overall we saw and got the idea of why the Vegas golden Knights are the top seed in the Western conference They are a hell of a hockey team. And we saw exactly what they're able to do in that game tonight.
1: Yeah. If you listen to our uh, game preview, which we released this afternoon, um, (laughs) I wish I could join you in a beer right now. Um, It's exactly what we talked about. The Knights are just a better, deeper team than the Blackhawks. And it was going to take a couple of fortuitous things to happen for the Blackhawks to win and compete in this playoff series uh will on the chat is saying it right now in the hot mic chat vegas is fast and big yes they are they've got guys that will hit you they have got guys with speed guys that can score they're a very even team they're a very deep team and look this is going to be a really tough matchup for the hawks pat foley said it at the end of the game if you want to hang your hat on something the hawks hit the goalpost three times or some other pretty close scoring chances dominic kubelik had five shots on goal and we're going to get into the good The bad, a lot more bad than good tonight, but man, it's just kind of what, this is what the series is going to look like. Do I think they're going to get swept and blown out every game? No, but Vegas is a better team and that was proven tonight. First of all, if you're just joining us on Hot Mike, thank you very much. If you're listening to this podcast the traditional way, we thank you for that as well. If you want to join us after the next game on Hot Mike, download that Hot Mike app, enter the code madhouse when you do and it will uh follow us automatically and you can join us for these post game shows feel free to hit up that tip jar for us if you're watching on hot mic if you want to tip us on venmo i'm at jay zawoski james and i split all that money of course uh and then if you want to get in touch with us madhousepod at gmail.com we're at madhouse pod on twitter madhouse underscore pod on instagram and on facebook we're madhouse hockey chi so You know, Corey Crawford, who I thought had played pretty well until that soft goal. Uh, I know some people had issue with the first goal. I thought he was screened. Fine. Maybe he wasn't. But overall, I think that goal felt like a heartbreaker because you had the Hawks not, you know, making some noise, hanging in there. And when that one goes in, you just sort of felt the air get sucked out of the team.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I I, I did see you say on Twitter that you were not... uh that upset with Crawford's performance tonight. I thought that it was a little bit of a backslide for him, honestly. like I thought that he there there were times in the game where he didn't look quite as sharp as he did in game four of the Edmonton series. That first goal, watching it a couple of different times, I did think that he probably should have had that. I don't think he was uh, hard enough on the short side of the goal on that play. I thought that not a terrible goal, but definitely not a good one. And then Again, credit to Riley Smith for having a really strong wrist shot, but you have, have to stop that puck that hits your shoulder. Like, you have to stop that. That really did feel like it deflated the Blackhawks, and I thought I thought it took a lot of air out of their sails. There were plenty of things that we can discuss that went wrong in this game, but again, we keep saying it. If the Blackhawks are going to win this series, they have to have Corey Crawford playing well. And they just, they didn't get it out of him tonight. Middling will not be good enough from him. He has to be better than that. I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure the entire team knows that. But man, that really, they, they had such a good start to the third period. It felt like they had a couple of good scoring chances right off the bat. Robin Leonard was getting tested early. But as soon as that goal went in, it just completely changed. And it's hard to blame them. It, just, it was rough to watch that. And I'm sure they felt very deflated after that too.
1: Yeah. And look, I, I don't want to pin this whole game on Corey Crawford. That mm-hmm. would be unfair to do. And you and I were talking before we got started here. You have, uh, let's see. Kou- Kubelik had five shots on goal, four more shot attempts. Solid game for Kubelik. Alex DeBrinket zero shots. Dylan Strom, zero shots. Uh, Taves had two. Brandon Saad, zero shots. Patrick Kane, one shot. That's not going to get it done. It's just not. And... Yes, there were post-hit. And yes, Brandon Saad played a pretty solid game, set up that assist on the shorthanded goal with a sweet drop pass. I think he played pretty well. But you need these guys to to contribute. And the other thing, when we talked earlier today, I said I'm not going to get super frustrated during the series because I know Vegas is a much better team than the Hawks. Right. However, I think the Hawks know that too. In the first period, there were so many opportunities where the Hawks had chances to shoot the damn puck and passed it up. And it's something they do all the time. And I saw Duncan Keith do it in the third period. They've got an odd man rush. Keith has the puck and just, he just sort of dumps it into the middle of the scrum of players. That's a low percentage chance. Throw the puck on net. Maybe it's going to go in. That's how goals are scored, especially in the playoffs and the Hawks exit even strength and on the power play, especially they're trying so hard for that perfect opportunity that perfect look, it's not going to come. You've got to keep it simple. You've got to get the puck on net. And when that happens, you never know. Those are the equalizers. Someone's butt gets in the way. Someone's stick gets in the way. Robin Leonard screened whatever, and the puck ends up in the back of the net. You're not going to be able to make these pinpoint globe trotters type plays in the playoffs against a team as good as Vegas. It's not 2010. It's not 2013. It's not 2015. They need to realize that and keep it simple. And Doc in the first period had a two-on-one with Debrinkit and did nothing with it. Yeah. He did not. He just skated himself out of the play, either shoot it and hope Debrinkit's there for the rebound or try to pass it over. He didn't either. Well, You've what you have to, make, to do yeah.
0: in, in that situation is you have to get the defender to commit to something. You either get him to commit to you or you get him to commit to the dive and to take away the passing option. What ended up happening is as he crossed the faceoff circle, the Vegas defender dropped. He dropped to the ice, which what does that mean? Shoot the, the puck. Yep. You shoot the puck. The pass is gone. You shoot the puck. And all Doc did was skate to the backboard. Now, look. That's going to happen. He's a rookie. That's a kind of thing he's going to have. We've seen it in the playoffs before from him. I know it's something he does have to work on. However, the thing that you cannot have is guys like Duncan Keith doing that, where he literally had a wide open lane to shoot the puck at the net, did not do it. Jonathan Taves had one of those tonight, too. He split the defenders beautifully. And instead of continuing to charge towards the net with all the momentum that he had, he tried to go for a low percentage drop pass. And that simply cannot happen if you're going to win freaking hockey games. You have to have your veterans playing smarter hockey than that. And on multiple instances tonight, they looked like Kirby Doc. And that's not a good thing. You don't want to make rookie mistakes when you're those guys.
1: Well, look, if if Riley Smith was on the Blackhawks, instead of putting that backhander over Corey Crawford's shoulder, he would have made a draw pass to no one or, you know, into traffic or whatever. It's just, look, the Keith one especially was egregious to me because you've got three Hawks crashing the net. Just shoot it low and hope for a rebound hits a skate or something. You just, have to, you just have to simplify things. They, I know they have ultimate confidence in themselves. I know they believe in themselves and all those things. I know they've got the pedigree for winning. But let's not pretend, and I don't think the Hawks are pretending, that they're even with Vegas. They know they're the underdogs. They know Vegas is the better team. They've got to adapt a little bit. And I said today, they shouldn't change their style. They shouldn't play scared, but at the same time, you know your chances are going to be limited. You know that Vegas is going to control possession for most of the series. When you have the chance to get a puck on net, you've got to do it. And I'm not just saying blindly shoot anytime you get the puck, but if you've got an odd man rush and the defenseman's already sold out, put the puck on net, Kirby Doc. Duncan Keith, you have a look with three guys crashing, put the puck on net. To try to make those extra passes, it kills them. It takes them out of plays. It's happened all year. It's happening on the power play now. It's very, very frustrating. And it's like, the, look, there's a lot of people in the chat saying they have to play physical. The Hawks aren't a physical team. They're just not. They don't have a guy on the roster that you would qu- qualify as a physical player. Is Connor Murphy the most physical Blackhawk? Maybe. He might be. You don't have Andrew Shaw out there anymore. You know you don't have
0: Zach Smith out there anymore. No, that,
1: exactly. You don't really have a physical team. So you've got to play the, the offensive style that you're built to play, part of offense is shooting the puck. Yeah,
0: I, I obviously I 100% agree with you, Jay. I mean, there's they had so many opportunities, I felt like, tonight to try to get somebody to the front of the net to where you could actually get a sustained scoring attack going, but there were so many one-off chances tonight. I could probably count on one hand the number of second-chance opportunities the Blackhawks had in this game. And just in honor of uh, Sitka Cubs making the uh, Letter Kenny reference in the chat there, I did feel like kicking a garbage can tonight, Sitka <laughs> Cubs, and just screaming profanities. I definitely I feel that on a visceral level. Jay, I got to bring it up, man. We've gone long enough in this podcast without bringing it up. It's something we've discussed several times during these playoffs. It's time to shuffle up the lines, dude. We've got there has to be a way to get Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strome, Patrick Kane. There has to be a way to get those guys going. And so I was pondering this throughout the entire game on how I would shuffle up the lines. This is the combos that I. These are the combos, man. I don't know English at twelve twenty-five in the morning. Apparently, combos.
1: I want some combos right now. Some pizza combos. Apparently,
0: Rick Camp wants some cobbler because of that joke (laughs) I made. Yes, he
1: does. (laughs) I I saw that.
0: Yeah, I said that uh, Vegas needed a new cobbler because apparently Robin Leonard just can't keep his blades on his feet. So, anyway,
1: yeah. Here lines.
0: Here, here are my lines. On the top line, you have Jonathan Tabes, Obviously, is the center. I opted to keep Dominic Kubalik with him and to put Drake Kajula on the left wing of that line. The All second right. line, I drop Brandon sod to the second line. I have him playing with Kirby Doc and Patrick Kane. On the third line, this is a weird one, so bear with me on this. I have Dylan Strom and Dubrinkitt on the wings with David Camp in the middle. And then the fourth line, I have High Carpenter and Dylan Secura coming in for Alex Nielander. So there it is. There's the, that's the best I could do. I really struggled with who to put on wing with Stroman to bring Kitten. So I decided to put no one on the wing and to have them both play the wing positions and have Camp be in the middle.
1: Okay. I'm up for anything at this point. I, I really want to find a way to get Patrick Kane going. And I, I don't know if it's nuclear option time to put him up there with Taves and sod and just load up that top line. It seems counterintuitive when you're looking at a huge depth disadvantage to put all your depth on your top line but I, I'm up for anything man they got to try something else they've got to try a different look and that I think the top line's been good you know Kubelik for the most part's been really solid Taves this was his first bad game I mean let's not overreact to one game but it's a different team it's I a thought he had opponent. a good
0: first period I thought the second and the third periods were a little bit more rough for him
1: yeah absolutely but you know I I would has got to find a way to get Kane involved and man. He, he was busting his hump back on that, uh, March. So, or the, uh, the first, um, why am I blanking? The first Riley Smith goal, the breakaway, even tipped that puck out of the air. And it still wasn't enough. I just, you can see the frustration in Patrick Kane's face. And it feels like as soon as people are like, where the hell's Patrick Kane? He shows up and does something amazing. Let's hope that's coming in game two. Because if they get down to look, the series is probably over anyway just because Vegas is so much better than them. But if they're down 2 nothing, you can put a fork in them. You saw Duncan Keith at the end of the game dogging it on an icing call, just running out the clock. He
0: he was on the ice. I know it wasn't all his fault, obviously. He was no. on the ice for all four goals against tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. Po- no, absolutely. He played 23-40 uh, of ice time tonight. It seemed like every time I looked up, there he was. You know, it looked like it felt like he was on the ice the entire game, especially in the third period. I got to pull up the shift charts. I'm always afraid of doing these things and messing up the quality of the broadcast. But uh, it felt like he was on the ice a lot. But you could see at the end of the game, he had some fr- frustration in his eyes. You see it from Kane. And I think partially you're seeing these veteran guys sense like, oh, boy, we're not going to be able to hang here. Do you, do you want to take a stab at who had the
0: best Corsi on the Blackhawks tonight?
1: I'm going to think it's someone with limited ice time. You're That's thinking my...
0: incorrectly then.
1: Really? Okay. It Give was actually,
0: it was actually Brandon sod. He was a 54.2% tonight. He, I, I thought again, I thought Brandon Saad had a pretty solid game. He was on the ice for 13 shot attempts for 11 against Alex. Neilander was second and the only other Blackhawk with a positive course. tonight, Dominic Kubalik at the bottom of the list. This is not going to surprise you. Alex DeBrynkit and Patrick Kane were the two worst tonight, both on the ice for 18 shot attempts against tonight. Good Lord. They Golden Knights feasted on Kane and DeBrynkit tonight, which is why in my line combinations, I ended up breaking them up because that's just that combination is not working whatsoever. And then Drake Kajula was a 33% tonight, but he was only on the ice for... Twelve total shot attempts combined. Duncan Keith, a thirty-four percent tonight, ten for nineteen against for number two in your programs and number one in your hearts. Uh, it should be
1: said that Kane almost always finishes low in in the possession numbers, just because totally. he's yeah he's out there for just, offense it, only.
0: It's the fact of how many freaking attempts they gave up and how few they had. Like that's the the disparity between those two really unnerves me. If it was like 10 to 12, I wouldn't care. But since it was literally like four or five shots attempts for, that's just terrible. You cannot have that from him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Somebody I want to get to that you mentioned here in a second. First, I want to tell our listeners about, uh, and our viewers about our friends at triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris 708-478-6090. Get yourself a Hawks Jersey, get yourself a mask, whatever you need printed, Triple Threat Sports can do it from T-shirts to hats to, again, um, masks to protect you during the pandemic. Uh, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com, 708-478-6090. A lot of people on the chat, and you included, you're benching Alex Nylander. Uh, A lot of the people on the chat are saying, where was Alex Nylander? Look, dude played 10 minutes, had two shots on goal, and drew a penalty, uh, and was second on the team in possession. Now, again, small sample size sheltered matchups, etc. But of all the guys I'm mad at today, it's not Alex Nealander. I think no, this was no, one no. of his and, more effective games. And
0: I do want to point out that I didn't take Nealander out of the lineup because I thought that he was like bad or anything. It just felt like to me, that's probably the guy that you can most likely dump to bring Secura in. The other guy I had definitely thought of doing that with was Matthew Highmore. Obviously he had a solid game in game four against Edmonton. Not overly impressed with his game tonight. Haven't really noticed him a ton in the playoffs. So if you want to drop either of those guys, fine. I had a fleeting moment during the game where I was like, maybe they should healthy scratch uh, Strom, try to wake his ass up. But I, don't, I think you're a little bit too reliant on him as a potential scoring option. I don't know if you can do that. Do you think they could get away with that? I don't.
1: I don't know. I mean, uh, zero shot attempts for Dylan Strom in this game. He did win 71% of his face-offs, and the Hawks won 55 tonight. That's <laughs> and a... I,
0: I want to take him <laughs> off the center spot. Woo, I'm a genius. Well,
1: well, it's just, I mean, look, every shift that goes by, Dylan Stroman is losing money. He's sort of the opposite of Kubalik, and uh, they got some tough decisions to make, but, but Stroman is sort of making the decision for them. You know, it's like, look, if he's not going to do anything, literally zero shot attempts the entire game. I mean, during a playoff series, this is when you decide who's worth keeping and who's not. And he hasn't shown anything through five games now. And I've been a big Dylan Strom fan from the second he arrived here until these playoffs began. I said, this is a guy they need to prioritize locking up. He's a solid player. He was almost a point per game the first year he joined the team, but he is a ghost in these playoffs. And I saw it, someone said it in a chat, but it went away. He looks scared. He looks, he looks timid. He looks like he's not interested or engaged. And that's not a guy I'm giving a lot of money too long to long term. I'm right. not giving up on him right away, but to give him four million, five million bucks right now, you can't do that.
0: I, when I know the sample sizes are limited, I know that's totally a good, a decent argument, but we had these concerns last season about whether or not he was kind of a one hit wonder or if he was going to be able to sustain what he was doing. And it's not like during the regular season, he was some lights out player. Like there was a reason yep. I frequently brought him up as a guy that I would not mind seeing to be seen traded at the deadline. It was because of that, and I think that when you really get down to it, when you look at the way he's performed in these playoffs, the timidness, the tentativeness, the fact that he can't seemingly cannot play without Alex Debrinkit on his freaking wing or whatever it is that's going wrong with him, if you look at that potential fragility that might be an issue, and oh yeah, look at the emergence of Kirby Doc. I'm telling you right now, you look at those yep. things and the salary cap being the way that it is. I think he's incredibly expendable right now. And if I'm the Blackhawks, I'm putting everything I can into making sure that I can keep Dominic Kubalik. And if that means that I lose Dylan Strome, so be it. I'm not worried about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, you're going to have to make that decision with the cap staying flat. You're going to have to sign a goalie. Maybe it's Corey Crawford. Maybe it's not. Uh, There's a lot of things they can spend money on. And you said it and a couple of people said it in the chat. We've said this over the last couple of weeks is the emergence of Kirby Doc since the resumption of play. He's arrived more quickly than any of us thought he would. You know, we thought the way he's playing now would be maybe a year, two years away. It's here now. He's your number two center. He should be your number two center. He should be getting number two center minutes. And uh, that does make Dylan Strom expendable more quickly than I would have thought. You think a nice two year deal could bridge that gap so Doc can slide into that role. But guess what? He has grabbed that role and taken it from Dylan Strome, and I think he's going to keep it for the remainder of his Blackhawks career and, and eventually, hopefully, move to the number one center past Jonathan Taves as they as he ages up and right. Taves gets older. He's going to move in that number one role. But uh, look, I, I've been incredibly impressed with him. He will learn to shoot more. He'll start to get more confidence in that. Um, if that's really my only complaint about his game. At all those far with Kirby Doc, but yes, Strom, Strom is making Stan Bowman's decision very, very easy Mm -hmm. right now. Since we brought up Kirby Doc,
0: I think it might be time, Jay, for us to go over any positives that we found out of the game tonight. Would you like me to go first? Yeah, go for it. I actually liked the way that the Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan pairing stacked up against the Knights top line tonight. I actually I noticed it at the end of the second period, I believe it was that they had played three or four consecutive even strength shifts against that line. And then they kind of continued that as the game went on. And it didn't seem like Vegas tried to get away from it. But if you looked at the possession numbers for Carlson, Pacioretty and Stone as the game went on. It was just a slow decline, and I really felt like the Blackhawks hit on something by having Murphy and DeHaan on those guys. So on a night where I thought Duncan Keith didn't play his best game, and obviously we didn't really see a whole lot out of Adam Boquist, I really did think that that pairing in particular, I liked what they did against three of Vegas's top players, honestly.
1: Uh, yes, I agree. I was impressed with that pair. I thought Slater Cuckoo played it well again. Um, Just he's become a pretty solid, you know, bottom three defenseman. And that, that's all he's going to be. But you could do a hell of a lot worse than him. Boquist, the first shift where Vegas pinned the Hawks deep for a long time. It was like midway through the first period. Keith and Boquist were out there. They're pinned deep for a while. But I thought Boquist, that shift for him was actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Took the body a couple times, knocked some people off the puck. They couldn't clear the puck. The forwards were not able to help them out and, and support the puck enough to get it out of the zone. But I, I was really impressed with with Boquist during that shift, showing a little bit of physicality. He uh, took the body behind the net, was doing some stick lifting, winning some battles. That's Those are the sort of little things you want to see from uh, Adam Boquist defensively as he develops. You want to see that toughness come into his game. And when I say toughness, we talked about this last week, It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to punch you or I'm going to knock you through the glass, but it means I'm not going to let this guy get in front of my net. I'm going to win a puck battle when I maybe don't have the, the, you know, uh, angular advantage. Toughness was displayed on that shift and it didn't work out because they were pinned deep for about two minutes, but I liked what I saw from him in terms of fight in terms of spirit. And that's, that's kind of my thing with focus is the skill is undeniable but I don't always see the engagement with him. I don't I don't see the confidence in him that I see from Kirby doc. And I know they are two different positions, but I really feel like for Bokus to take that next step, he's going to have to have confidence in his defensive game as well. That's that's going to elevate his offensive game. So when he reaches that point, I think you're really going to see him turn the corner like Kirby doc has. And, and who knows when that comes defensemen are slower developing than forwards. And uh, but for the most part, I've been pretty pleased with Boquist's performance since being called up this year.
0: Uh, Jarner made a really good point. I think when he said that in the chat, he said, Boquist looks like a rookie to me more during the playoffs than he did during the regular season, yeah. probably to be expected, but not great for the Blackhawks chances. I mean, that's, That's well summed up. I think that we saw a lot of really good flashes of what Adam Boquist can potentially be during the regular season. The playoffs are just a different animal. And you're absolutely right. And this is also a very weird season where you had this huge gap in between the end of the regular season, the beginning of the postseason. Clearly not all guys were able to kind of like continue the momentum or to come back completely ready to play. I mean, we've seen that all over the NHL during these playoffs think like some guys just don't look right and it's just because of the odd circumstances I think so I'm definitely not going to write off Adam Boquist not to say that you are or anybody else's Jay but obviously like I'm not gonna like be surprised if he's struggling it's just it's a rookie defenseman in his first taste of postseason hockey and it's just all these weird circumstances too I think we've seen enough from Adam Boquist during the regular season that I am confident that he'll be able to blossom into a really solid NHL defenseman. And I'm really fascinated to see the kind of jump forward that he makes next season. So I'm definitely still on the uh, Boquist bandwagon for sure. Another positive that I thought may have gotten overlooked a little bit during the game, just because of how, kind of rough everything was, is I really, again, thought that the Blackhawks did a good job on the penalty kill again tonight. Great stat that I saw from Ben Pope earlier to kind of illustrate the point. The Blackhawks penalty kill held Vegas to three scoring chances on their two power plays, and they also scored a shorthanded goal tonight. You'll remember in the last three games of the Edmonton series, Chicago went 11 of 13 against Edmonton on the penalty kill. And I know that we've talked before the series started that the key for the Blackhawks is going to be to score on the power play. But if they can keep playing that well on the penalty kill, you at least give yourself a fighting chance. If you do commit a mistake while you're being a little bit more aggressive, hopefully in game two.
1: Well, this gives me the opportunity as well as we're going through the positives to, uh, to sort of uh, point a finger at myself for maybe not judging David camp fairly enough. You talk about how these playoffs have sort of shined a light on Dylan Strome, maybe not being the player we thought he was. David Camp has come to play in these playoffs, and the goal he scored tonight, great pass by Brandon Saad. He had an open look at the net, but he uh, sniped it. That
0: play that Saad made to yeah. Shay Theodore's stick, that was reminiscent of Marion Hossa. It gave me the vapors a little bit.
1: <laughs> but he sniped the hell out of that shot. He's been a good player throughout these uh, playoffs so far. So props to David Camp. It's a guy I sort of wrote off as just a guy, but he's shown me through five playoff games now that when it matters and when something's on the line, he comes to play and comes to play hard. So I've been really impressed with this game. All right, we've got a couple more things to get to. Uh, Why don't we take a break real quick? Uh, I'm going to tell everybody about our friends at Dr. Squatch, and we'll come back and tie a bow on this podcast. Dr. Squatch is our newest sponsor. They're a natural, handmade, made-in-the-USA soap company. I have been using them for months now. Uh, I am a believer. I am an enthusiast of Dr. Squatch. And I know you will be too. Head to drsquatch.com. Fill your cart with some soap, with some hair care products, with uh, some colognes, some candles, whatever you're into. But I recommend the soap, the pine tar, the cold brew cleanse, the cool fresh aloe. Those are my three favorites. Get yourself that soap saver to protect your investment. When you check out, enter that promo code madhouse and you'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time. When we come back, A whole lot more before we wrap this thing up on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut.
1: Okay, what's my line? Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool,
0: only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose cock swain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEC. Open makes more possible.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks everybody who has joined us here on Hot Mike. If you have any questions, hit us up in the chat. We want to make this interactive. So you got a question? James is sort of keeping an eye on the chat over there, and we'll answer some of your questions directly. So hit us up in the chat there on Hot Mike. If you want to email us uh, for a future podcast, we're at madhousepod at gmail.com. You can always tweet at us at madhousepod. Want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's out in Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street, They're family-owned and operated since 1933. They're well-known for their poor boys, which are world-famous. The steaks, the chops, the seafood, all that great stuff. They've got a great craft beer menu. They're open for carryout, everything you need. Head to Marishka's support a family-owned business. Now more than ever, it's important that we do that. So marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the fourth of July and Thanksgiving. So you've got some time to go visit Joe and his family at because They've been doing it right and doing it the same way since nineteen thirty-three and for a reason because everything there is damn good. I need to go get a Yodel burger, dude. So bad. It sounds good. Maybe we should find some golf in that area and meet out that way. Play a couple, you know, play maybe play nine holes and then go grab Marishka's afterwards. I
0: like it. This is a great right, plan. You-
1: you got some questions lined up for us, everybody?
0: I do have a few, yes. The yeah. first one, and by the way, if anybody in the chat wants to send questions in, now's the time. <laughs> what do you think a Dylan Dylan Strowman Brandon Side trade package would bring in realistically?
1: It's never as much as you think. Correct. I'll say that. Um, I think we always have these big visions of like, oh, yeah, that, that's two good players, so they're gonna get a lot for that teams it's a lot of money for teams to take on too. If you're making that deal, Strom needs a new contract. That's going to be at least 3 million bucks. At least 3 million for Strom. I still think that's a fair number. I think it would go as high as 4. So that's 10 million mm-hmm. to take on Saad and Strom at the same time. And look, they're two pretty young players, right? Strom is 23, Saad is maybe 26 at this point, 27. So they've got some good hockey in them left. I just think if the Hawks trade those two, You want to talk about a lack of depth. There's no one ready to come and take those jobs. No. All of their top prospects are defensemen. That's my big
0: concern there, too.
1: Yeah, it's Mitchell. It's Bodan. It's uh, Carlson. It's all those guys. Now, if you want to look at moving some talent, maybe you consider moving one of those defensive prospects, bringing Slater Cuckoo back or whatever. Because you've, I don't know. I the Last I, time I, we traded a defensive
0: prospect, I'm going to point out that it didn't go well.
1: No, I know. I just, I'm very hesitant to move out too much forward talent. One of those guys, yes, I would consider trading if they're going to get something back that helps them immediately. But what are you going to trade back that's going to be as valuable as Brandon Sod? Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't see that shaking out. If you want to trade, Dylan Strom before the draft to move up a little bit or to acquire another second or third round pick that could be discussed. I just don't see at this point after a disappointing playoff and an injury plagued 2019 20 season, how much value Dylan Strom has right now. But again, you've got to figure out if you want to sign him or not. That's the thing. And maybe you can luck out and maybe you say, you know what, Dylan, we're going to bet on you. We believe in you. I know it's been a tough year, but here's two you know two year deal 3 million bucks a year with a no trade clause of course uh, you know to prove it with the hawks here i don't know i just i it's hard for me to trade that much forward depth when you have literally none in the pipeline
0: I, I would be inclined to agree with you. I really do not want to trade Brandon Saad. That's not a thing that I'm a huge fan of doing during the offseason, especially considering I believe next year he's hitting free agency after the coming season, right? Like yes, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be a UFA again. So probably not a great idea to like move on from that guy. I don't think you would get enough back recouped asset wise to justify that. Uh, from Eric Jay, do you think the Hawks could potentially move up any from their draft slot if they are o- in the first round, if they offered Dylan Strom and at the first round pick in a trade proposal? I
1: mean, if the if a team wants that, sure. They can move up a little. I don't think they're gonna get up to like a franchise changing kind of a pick. And you have to remember too that Stan Bowman has a propensity to take guys higher then they're slotted typically. Uh-huh. Uh, Kirby Doc is one of those. Adam Bocas is one of those. Henry Yokoharu is one of those. He takes guys that he likes that maybe don't project as high as they take him. So trading up, does not seem to be much of a priority for Sam Bowman? I think that the guys he tends to identify are typically lower rated than he picks them at. So I don't know. I mean, anything can happen. I think... If they're trading Strom, they're going to do it at the draft. They almost have to. Right. Because teams have to acquire him before they figure out their free agency plans, etc. I just wouldn't expect maybe they trade up a spot or two or something like that. But I think it's probably more likely that they would trade him, get a decent prospect, and, and maybe a third or fourth round pick for him. Um, I don't know. I still sort of feel like he might be back. I I, I don't know. It's It's really tough to kind of gauge things in real time. We're also doing it emotionally after a frustrating loss. I thought we've actually kept a pretty
0: level head about this. And I think we've been fairly rational in our analysis of like what guys did right and what they did wrong. So I'm going to, I'm defending us, Jay dag.
1: No, no, I know. I just, I, I think that to give up on a guy with that pedigree at that age, that has shown what he's shown. The, the larger sample side of Dylan, size of Dylan Strom has been positive. He's been a good, impactful player, It's been bad since the return. He was hurt this season, so it's hard to fully judge. I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to give up on him right now. I'm not ready to do that yet. You know, you're
0: going to have to make that choice pretty soon. That's what I'm
1: saying, though. If you, if you're going to sign him for three, three and a half, we can talk. Mm. I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable going beyond that.
0: I d- you know what I just realized something Jay your podcast co-host has a couple of questions because I think we missed one of the big topics from the game itself number 1 do you understand the offside rule on video review
1: yeah I, uh, yeah it's, <laughs> it's 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 two it's 2 feet over it's just yeah i i had forgotten the the law i just it's
0: been so long since there's been a challenge like that i too was like Oh, dear Lord. What What is the rule here? I have absolutely no idea. The other one that I definitely did not really realize. Did you realize what the rule was on a lost skate blade for a goaltender? Uh,
1: I did not know the rule. And it, I thought it was because I thought it was like with a loser match, you got to blow it dead. But clearly, that's not the call because it happened to Leonard twice. And they did not blow the play dead.
0: Yeah. So I I did read, there was one rule that a fan shared. I do want to read this play shall not be stopped, nor the game delayed by reasons of adjustments to clothing, equipment, skates, or sticks. No delay shall be permitted for the repair or adjustment of goalkeepers equipment. If adjustments are required, the goalkeeper shall leave the ice and his place shall be taken by the substitute goalkeeper immediately. So two questions on that one Could we potentially see a line change of goaltenders under the provisions of that rule if you wanted to get real technical about it? Which, by the way, Edzo did say during the game that if it becomes an issue of player safety, they will blow the play dead, which I thought was interesting.
1: If there's a literal knife on the ice, yes, that might be Yeah, that was kind of the idea. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the second part of that is why does the goaltender get to, like, take the delay to, like, change the skate blade? Shouldn't he come off the ice while that's being done? Reading that rule, I feel like they shouldn't have stopped the game for it. I felt like uh, Marc Andre Fleury should have been in at that point.
1: I'm with you that reading the rule, that's what it sounds like, and it happened in the uh, Oilers series too. During uh, what was it? It was, I think it was an icing or something where the Oilers really milked it and took forever to put uh, the blade back on, right? Uh, yeah, it feels to me like tough crap if your blade's not ready to be fixed then you got to sit out the shift, right? What was it? Remind me, maybe our uh, our hot mic viewers will remember this when Malcolm Subban had his 45 seconds of Blackhawks hockey this year. Why did Corey Crawford come out? What happened?
0: He got hit in the head.
1: Okay. So it was like a, are you, are you concussed right now? No, you're not. I believe that is what that
0: was. He, it was a, he might be concussed. We are examining him. I think it was like 45 seconds and then a TV commercial or vice versa, which gave them a little bit more time to examine him and to bring him out. I was at the UC that evening and was sitting behind the net when he got hit. And I thought for sure that was it. I was like, son of a bitch. I was so <laughs> irritated because, you, you know, it's like it happened tonight when Corey Crawford got hit in the mask with the puck. What's the first thing you think of? You're like, oh, God, head injury. Like, yep. it was an instant reaction. I was very happy when he came back in. And I was like, at least they went and looked at him. But... <sighs> That's enough yeah. living in the past, Jay. We gotta move forward. Game two is what feels like less than twenty-four hours away, but it's really thirty-six <laughs> hours. So yeah. We we gotta we got a game to prepare for on Thursday afternoon, man. An afternoon start for the Blackhawks instead of this 9 30 crap. No and more also one
1: AM hot mics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did
1: also want to ask you how much of the uh
0: Columbus Tampa Bay game did you watch today?
1: I watched none of it because I was busy doing other stuff. I had like the busiest day of my year today. I had so much going on. Finally, I sat down. I'm like five overtimes. And then the game winner was scored. I'm like, Oh, come on. Oh, so it was your (laughs) fault. Yeah. This game's been going on for three days. I sit down and turn it on and it ends immediately. (laughs) So that was, that. by the way, I want to get to this. There's some dudes fighting about Duncan Keith in the chat here on hot Mike. Duncan Keith had a bad game. Duncan Keith is still the Hawks best defenseman. Let's let's not make a mistake about it. I mean, look, that dude's going to retire a Blackhawk whenever that might be. Um, we cannot overreact to a bad game, uh, an overmatched team where he's kind of pulling the responsibility of doing everything on his own. Uh, Duncan Keith is really solid. Another person asked, what is Kublik going to for? I I think it's 6000000 million. I'm looking here at Artemi Panarin's second contract. That's exactly what he signed for. So you say, and that was signed in 2017, 18. So you look at inflation, you know, but then you also look at the flat cap. I think you're, I think Kubelik is going to be signed for 6 million. That's my prediction. So does, that, the number does
0: that mean that you potentially look at trading a guy like Alex to bring to free up a little bit of salary then
1: <sighs> talk about guys, that extension
0: not, kicks in next season, dude.
1: Talk about guys. I'm not ready to give up on yet. But I'm man, not, he I'm not
0: a, saying that it's gonna be fun. I'm just saying you if you really want to keep Kubelik, you might end up having to pay a price that you're not gonna
1: like. Now that's a guy who if you want to trade to move up in a draft or to acquire a top prospect, that then you could talk, right? That's that's he'll get you a lot more than Dylan Strom will. But I'm not I mean, look, we're gonna give we're gonna give Kubelik six million. For scoring 30 goals, Debrinkit scored 40 and makes just over six. I'm just, I'm not giving up on Alex Debrinkit after one bad year. No way. Well,
0: of course not. No. But again, I'm not saying that from a performance perspective. That's strictly a dollars and cents thing. That's that's the only reason I brought it up. I, I don't want the Madhouse Chicago Hockey podcast to become the podcast of trade Alex to Kit, Kind of like it became the podcast of Artemi Panarin's a one trick pony.
1: Oh, my God. You're such a dick. You always <laughs> got to bring that up. Thank God they didn't keep Marty Havlad for all those Stanley Cups.
0: No, see, that, you do that. I bring that up myself. You, you can't hit me with that.
1: <laughs> i have i have mentioned my mistake on panarin by the way and but when he was here by the way he uh. didn't do anything in the playoffs which no, is he correct didn't. he yep. didn't do anything for the rangers in the playoffs this year either sure didn't and what percentage of his goals were scored by one timers <laughs> all of them it felt like it was yes so bite me all right <laughs> all right before we wrap up before james and i kill each other virtually I want to tell you about our friends at fry the coop Frythecoop.com. Go get the best Nashville hot chicken you've ever tasted. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market. Oh, it's so good. I think I'm going to go to Fry the Coop soon because it's awesome. It's amazing. And I really, really, really want to have it. Uh, I've not mentioned the chicken and waffles. It sounds good, right? Guess what? The waffles have little bits of bacon in them. Yeah. How about that? Mm. How about that? Go to Fry the Coop. Frythecoop.com. Again, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Westtown. Well, street market coming soon to Tinley park. And I think either Mount prospect or prospect heights, something with prospect in it. I forgot exactly. There, there's too many <laughs> prospects, too many
0: oaks, too many lawns, too many parks. I get it, dude. One of
1: those somewhere with a prospect somewhere <laughs> with a prospect, but yeah, I see some people a little bit shocked at the $6 million figure. Don't be, it's a 30 goal score. Uh, I, I don't know what you think you're going to lock him up for. I, that's what it's going to cost. I think if, if they get him for, Less than six, it's a steal, I think. He's been one of their most effective players in these playoffs. I think that's what's going to cost Dominic Kubelik. So, I don't know. It's not, it's a tough pill to swallow, but that's going to be your buyout of uh, probably Olimata, Mata, almost certainly Zach Smith, and who knows what else. They're going to have to find a way to make room for that deal. But I just think that getting rid of these forwards we're talking about, sod, uh, and, uh, who's, and Strom, you're 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 already lack depth and what go look at the blackhawks prospects none of them are kurashev is the one right that's like the one forward who we think can step in and actually contribute at the nhl level but that's it everybody else why isn't he on the playoff roster yet tag get him in a game i'm just looking at the you know at the contracts here like mckenzie entwhistle he's maybe an nhl player but he's not going to be a difference maker. Right. You know, it's Alexander
0: fourteen's a- not going to be a, a guy. Pia Suter might be a guy. Never yeah. know. that. I mean, I, that's pretty clearly why they brought him in. They brought in Matei Chalupa this off season. Evan I Barrett. I do. I am high on him. I really liked him coming out of uh, college. So like, or sorry, coming out of junior, I was definitely hyping him up a little bit. I definitely think he could potentially be a guy But, I mean, those guys are probably still at least two years away from making a big-time impact in the NHL. Your defensive prospects are a lot closer than that.
1: Yeah, I think this draft they're going to have to load up on forwards. I really think that's – and look, maybe that was Stan Bowman's thinking when he took Kirby Dock, when everyone sort of like, take Bowen Byram, it's such an obvious pick. Maybe Stan was looking at that pipeline saying, there's not anything up front here for us. We've got Mitchell, (laughs) we've got Pocos, we've got Bodan." There's something we've got nothing up front. So maybe you you, you know Doc what it could have front. helped
0: bolster their forward depth, Jay, yeah, if they had kept Eric Gustafson and moved him to forward. Yeah. Calgary didn't do that, though. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just going with like, all of my greatest hits tonight. That I just mad. want
1: to like. When does that ever
0: work, though? I they, never. Basically, it just was always a theory that I banged the drum on, and felt like I owed it one more for old time's sake today.
1: Yeah. And Rizzo brings up a good point. Uh, Too bad we couldn't do better than Nylander and the Yoko trade. That's what, when, when we read that our reaction to trade was, that's it. (laughs) That's it. They traded their top defensive prospect, their top prospect at the time for Alex Nylander, like, and who, and who else? And that was it. That's a bad trade. Even if Nylander pans out, even if he becomes a guy who you can count on to be like a second or third line guy, who get you like 35 40 points? At the time you made the trade, it wasn't enough. That's it. It wasn't enough. Well,
0: and and now he gets to wear that sick uh Buffalo Sabres jersey next season with the Royal Blue again.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. We're ready to wrap this bad boy up.
0: Uh yeah, let's uh let's move on to game two, man. The the Blackhawks are not out of this series. Like, yes, there was a lot to not be happy about tonight, but there were some bright spots. Just remember that, everybody. The Blackhawks are in the frickin' playoffs. Let's enjoy it,
1: man. Yeah, at this point, it's all gravy, right? Thanks for tuning in to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks to everybody who joined us on Hot Mike. Still a few seconds to hit up that tip jar if you'd like, or if you're listening the traditional way, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash madhousepod, or just hit up my Venmo. Uh, the name there is Jay Zawoski. James and I obviously split all of those profits, but it's 1 a.m. We're doing this podcast late, so if you want to kick us a couple bucks, it would mean a lot to us. We will talk to you after Game 2 on Thursday. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you want to watch us on Thursday, make sure you download that Hot Mike app, sign up with that promo code Madhouse, and we'll be there in your face after Game 2 on Thursday. Thanks for listening. James Neville and I will talk to you after Game 2. Have a great night. We'll see you on Thursday. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by
0: Triple Threat Sports, Marischka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business every day are nothing short of heroic and you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. Like the breaking ground on new construction things, the every box and barcode matters things, and the driving the family business forward things. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you.